Well, hopefully you had a, a good afternoon. <clears throat> and uh, if it was like me, you went home, had some food, and then passed out. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't even remember passing out. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, I remember sitting down on the couch, and then the next thing I know is I, like, wake myself up to this, <clears throat> oh, what, what was that? Oh, that's me. So... <clears throat> Yeah. All right. Well, this evening, um, I, uh, you know, last week we were talking about some things with the gardens, uh, for the potluck and, uh, I, I kind of in my, uh, um, uh, study of some of those things, uh, I came across something that just kind of, again, this is one of those little, uh, if you will, uh, one time, uh, uh, situations, uh, or if you will, kind of, uh, if you will, sermonette type things, if you want to call it that, because I just sat there and I, I really thought, you know, thought and meditated on this for a minute, uh, about some of these, uh, this issue that I saw and, uh, and, um, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but I want to kind of set the stage for it by going over to the book of Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 24, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 24, <clears throat> Now, I mean, I'm going to preface a couple of things. Um, you know, uh, as I have often said, uh, the only, uh, you know, constant in this life is change. Um, it just seems that that's always happening. Something, something new is every, every minute, every second, every, every hour, every day, every year, something new. Uh, but again, we also understand there's nothing new under the sun. So we, we, we just can, kind of, if you will, keep reliving the same day over and over again with various different, uh, results and, and, uh, um, decisions made. But, uh, uh, there's something to be said about, um, changing things that God has purposed. And in Proverbs chapter 24 and in verse 21, it says, my son, fear thou the Lord and the king. And it says, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Uh, he, he makes it very clear here that he doesn't want somebody to go through the process of, uh, of you know, allying themselves with individuals that just want to change everything. And, and there's people that are like that. There are people that, that they just want change because, because they can because, you know, they, 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 they want change because they have the ability to make that change. You know, uh, we, we kind of see that in today's society in this day and age with uh, individuals and their resumes. Uh, you know, it used to be back in the day that if you had five years on one in one given place, I was considered a long-term employee. That was that was something that's loyal. I've been with the the company that you know obviously has been acquired over the course of time, um, but I've been with them since 2000, May 8th, 2000. That's a long time when people think about it. One company that long, it's the longest I've ever been. And before that, I was with another company and I was almost there for seven years. So I don't jump, you know, don't jump ship frequently. And, and when I do, there has to be some good cause with it. Why? Because I, I'm just not that big on change. I'm just not that big on change. Somebody was asking me the other day about, uh, about moving and I'm like, Oh, good night. No, I don't want to move. I, 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 I don't like moving. I can't stand moving. Uh, it just drives me crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, again, you, yeah, it's nice. You change and you do these things, but man, it's, it, it's a big change. 
But in today's day and age, you go to that resume, you take a look at that resume, and you see people, they're changing jobs every 90 days, every 30 days. And that's considered normal today. It's considered normal. It's considered a good experience because now you got diversity of all different backgrounds. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous because now I'm going to basically plan on an employee that I'm going to hire for a probationary period. And then, you know, at the end of the, the 90 days, I can expect to see him gone. I want somebody that's going to last. I want somebody that's going to, to be there for the long haul. But we, we understand that, that, that people go about doing this change. And God's saying, look, this is something you need to be careful with. People that go around and 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 and, and do these things with change and and uh, uh, um, are, are are constantly given to that. There's something that is going to be harmful. There's something that's going to be harmful to us, especially if God's warning us here in this passage. Before we get to too much further into this, I want to go ahead and pray, and then uh, and then we're going to get into uh, uh, this a little bit in earnest. Dear Heavenly Father. Again, I thank you for the time that you've given to us. I thank you again, Lord, for what you've shown us in Scripture this morning and today. And Lord, I just pray that tonight your Holy Spirit will still continue to have that reign in our life and we would be yielded uh, and uh, um, surrendered to you, that we would listen to what you have for us. That, Lord, we'd understand the purpose that you've put in our lives. We'd understand the purpose of things that you've given to us. And Lord, how we're supposed to use it in this Christian life. Again, Lord, I just thank you for all the time uh, that we've had today just to to fellowship and be here. And Lord, I pray that this time would be honoring and pleasing unto you with all that we say and do. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So very clearly here, we see that God's warning about constant change. Now, again, if you want to talk about change, let's go over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 specifically. In Romans chapter 1, we find some things that, that are there. That, that, that are that are disturbing, and, and we're not going to go into too much detail about this because a lot of it is self-explanatory. But in Romans chapter one, um, we, we we see here in verse twenty-one it says, "Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." Look at what they do in this mindset. In verse 23, it says, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God, of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They changed him. They knew exactly who he was, but they didn't want to give him the glory. That's a, that's a pride sin, by the way. And the end result is, is they, they, in order to satiate their conscience, in order to alleviate that conviction, they just said, well, we're just going to change God. That happens today. Well, a loving God would never send anybody to hell. Um, well, it's the sin that they committed that condemned them to hell. God is just being a just God and punishing sin as it needs to be. They're responsible for it. If anybody sent them to hell, it's themselves. But when we begin to realize here that they're going through this process of trying to change it into something that they can control, that they can do, it it, it produces an effect on a person's mind that we see here in verse 24, wherefore uh, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. 
and worshipped, excuse me, worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working in that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. Now, I don't need to go into detail with that. But we understand it's a matter of they changed something that God had already purposed for that, 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 that purpose. He had, if you will, consecrated it and said, this is what this is going to be used for, and they've done something else with it. They've done it to him, they've done it with the truth, they've done it with themselves. And we see change. Now, I want us to go to our main passage this, this, uh, this uh, uh, evening and turn over to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. <clears throat> If you're familiar with 1 Kings 21, this is the situation where Jezebel really shows her colors. Ahab shows his colors. Uh, um, and it just, it, it, it's a horrible situation that occurs. And in verse uh, uh, 1 here in uh, 1 Kings chapter uh, 21, it says, And came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Now, now obviously, we're kind of somewhat familiar with this. And in verse 3, where Naboth says to Ahab, The Lord forbid it. And, and we find that passage, and we'll check that out in just a minute. But I want you to notice something here. Did you notice that, 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 that here's here's Ahab, and, and we we obviously right out of the gate we see he, he he's not asking nicely; he's demanding it. He's demanding it like a dictator. Give me, and then I will give you this. I mean, he, he he's being very very uh, 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 you know uh, if you will brutal about this whole thing. Give me. But there's something else that I noticed in this, in, in, in reading this and in studying this. And, and I want you to see this here. He says that I may have it for a garden of herbs. So here is this vineyard that is right next to his palace, his house. He sees it. This is a perfect location for his herb garden. Not because he wants the vineyard. He wants to change its purpose. He wants to change its purpose. Now that had been there for a long time with Naboth and his family, and and and, and if you know anything about grapes, they have they, they they have a heritage that's behind them, and as they continue to grow, they get better, and you know the vines and the roots get better, and there's so much more about them that the longer the grapes are around, the longer that those uh, uh, those the the vineyard and the vines and and the root in which they're there is around, they just increase in their nutrients and increase. In, in how good they are, which is why they want long-term, you know, vineyards. A vineyard that just comes up overnight, they, they go and they harvest the first, first, uh, if you will, harvest of the uh, of a vineyard. You don't want to eat anything that comes out of that. Why? It's just nasty. It's just nasty. It doesn't taste right. It, 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 it's just, it, it's a bad batch of grapes. 
Even the second year, you want to be, you, you want to avoid that. But what we find here is we find that, 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 that Ahab wants to come and take everything that had been planted, everything that had been rooted, everything that had been grounded, all the fruit that was being developed there and rip it out and produce something else. Something else. Now, if you will, go over to the book of, uh, of uh, Leviticus, and we'll see there in Leviticus chapter 25 that God had forbidden the nation of Israel to do this, to sell off land in that nature. In Leviticus chapter 25, uh, and in verse 23, it says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. He says, In all the, the land of your possession you shall grant a redemption for the land. And he goes through the process of what happens when when things like this go uh, come about. And he's like, you know, I don't want you selling it. That's your inheritance. That's what's been given to you by God. And we see here very clearly that God can, communicates. He doesn't want us taking what he has purposed in his heart and what he has purposed in our lives to be used for something else. Ahab wanted to, uh, to, to, to plant a, a, a garden of herbs for his convenience. For his convenience. The vineyard wasn't what he was after. He was just after the plot of land because it was by his house. He didn't care anything about the fruit. He didn't care anything about what was being produced there. All he wanted to do was change it from grapes to basil. Grapes to rosemary or thyme or whatever it may be. The various different herbs that are there. Now, if we think about this for a second, we realize that there is a great bodily benefit of grapes. Now, they keep talking about how grapes are just great for the body. Uh, all the nutrients that they have, all of, uh, um, all of the, 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 the things that they do, they're really great for the circulatory system. Uh, I mean, they just got a ton of a, excellent benefits for the human body. Now, I understand that some of those herbs do the same thing, and they have some of those benefits that are there. But again, herbs are normally used for something very simple. Seasoning. I mean, how often do you sit down to a big bowl of basil and eat the whole thing? I mean, you don't sit down and eat a whole peppermint uh, uh, bush there and just, you know, eat all the leaves off of it. You don't sit there and, you know, you know ask, what, you know, what's for dinner tonight? And, and, and your spouse says, well, I decided I'm just going to fry up some rosemary. That's it? Yeah. I'm just going to eat a big bowl of rosemary. You're like, mm, I think I'm going to go get a corn dog. You know, so you just you realize that that there's something beneficial about grapes, and and when you look at the comparison there, you can definitely see some typology where where it was more pleasurable for the seasonings than the benefits of the fruit. And we see that there's this comparison that that is there about the pleasures of sin for a season. Whereas those things that were were of the grave were things that were beneficial. There were things that that were really needed. There were things that were going to to help their bodies. But as he decides here, he says, "No, I want to completely change the purpose of the land." 
Interestingly enough, uh, while some of the herbs may have grown, he would have had to actually change some of the consistency of the soil depending on the herb that he chose. Wouldn't necessarily been the same. Some would have grown the, in, in that kind of loamy soil, but some of it needed some different type of, uh, uh, of there. It needed less, uh, less sand, less uh, silt in it, or whatever it is. And, and that's what, uh, what grapes love to grow in. They love to grow in sandy, uh, um, uh, loamy soil. Um, and if you've got clay there, you got to work that and you got to make sure you get the right, uh, uh, um, type of soil so that it'll grow and it'll grow well and so on and so forth. But, but he, here he is. He's saying, I want to change the entire purpose. The entire purpose. Everything that has been created over the years, I want to rip out and plant something that only lasts but a little bit of a season. A little bit of a season. And I can't help but think about how Ahab just missed the application of the value of the grape and and how it would exceed those herbs that are there. I mean, he could have chosen anywhere. I mean, really, honestly. I mean, how big of an herb garden do you really need? I mean, does he need one that that's that, that would take up a whole vineyard? You drive around the, you know, in this area, and you'll find that there are some vineyards around here in this in this area, and and uh, uh, and you'll see the size of the vineyards. Could you imagine all that being herbs? Unless you're mass producing it for distribution. Why, why would you do that? And we find that he misses out on that. He doesn't understand what has been given there. If you turn over the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 25, we find another individual that, if you will, decided to sell something off for the sake of, uh, of uh, uh, just a, 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 a brief moment of physical pleasure. And in the end of it, it said that God hated Esau because of this. He despised the blessings of God. He sold his birthright. That was given to him by God. That wasn't something that was given to him by his family. That was given to him by God. He was the firstborn. And he he valued that very little. God gave it to him and he said, I don't care about that. I don't care what God gave him. He was he he actually got a little more upset over the blessings of the father. Then he was upset over the uh, the fact that he he had lost his birthright. Later on, he got a little upset about it. But but what we find here in in this passage is in in uh, um, in Genesis chapter twenty five uh, down there in in uh, um, this uh, oh in uh, verse twenty nine says and Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with the, that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, at what point, uh, excuse me, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? He didn't see the value in what God had given him. He didn't see the value in what the Lord had bestowed upon him and not upon Jacob. And Jacob took that opportunity and he said, well, if you don't like it, I'll take it. You don't want it, I'll take it. And what happens here, he did, does exactly that. 
And, and, and he gives it, and, and in verse uh, 33, and Jacob said, swear to me this day, and he swear it unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. That angered God. That angered God. Why? Because he had despised what God had given him. And here, here he is, here's Ahab coming along and, and, and trying to convince Naboth to basically do the same thing. Sell this to me. I'll give you a better vineyard. I'll give you another vineyard. I'll, I'll give you the, the money. If you just want the money, I'll give you the money for it. And Naboth, Naboth knew his scripture and he said, nope. Levitical law forbids me to do this. This is something that's been in the family for generations. For generations. You ever watch some of those, uh, that antiques roadshow stuff? And you just see some of those things that these people drag out, uh, out of their closets. And they put it up there. And, and you know that, that, you know, in order to fill that, that, that little span of, of television time, that they've had to go through probably, I don't know how many of those things and go, oh yeah, yeah, that's junk. Um, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, it needs to go into the waste bin. Um, why do you even have this? You know, I mean, things of that nature, how many things these people bring and they think that it's worth something and it's worth nothing. And then somebody brings out a rug that's worth a million dollars or a Rolex watch that's worth several hundred thousand dollars or some little thing that they got from the Queen of England and, and, and you come to find out it, it's a rare Fabergé something, whatever it is, and it's worth like a couple million pounds or whatever over there in England. I remember seeing those things going, good grief. I'm pretty sure I don't have anything in my house that's worth that. <clears throat> you know, even, even if I was to go through and go through the garage, it's probably nothing. And you got all these people going around trying to find something, you know, these little treasure hunters trying to, trying to find whatever they can find and finding all this stuff in a goodwill or a salvation army and going and selling it for like three times the profit. Yeah, but you got to sit there and go through all of that. And you got to think about your time and your effort and things of that nature going through and, and I just sit there and I think about all these things that people have that are her- given to them as a heritage. Oh, this was passed down from my grandfather, and this was passed down from my great-great-grandfather, and, and so on and so forth. And they're worth money, and they're worth value, and they have, if you will, some some somebody's willing to pay that price, or at least that's what the insurance company wants them, so that they can get their share in it. But the end result is, is it becomes a value and, and, and there was no profit behind what Esau saw and there was no profit behind what God had given to Naboth in Ahab's sight. And I'll tell you this, you know, in, in your life, you're going to be confronted sometimes to change. To change. To move away from the vine and to go to something that is just herbs. To a degree, I take a look at this passage over there in First Kings and I see Ahab as a little bit of a type of Satan. Coming alongside and saying, I'll give you whatever you want. Just change. Now look, we talk about change on Wednesday night, but we're talking about change to the glory of God. Not, not, not change for the sake of change. Not given to change. Not changing the things of God. Not changing the natural use. Not changing anything that God has done in your life. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that has happened to me in my life. 
I've had people ask me about the, the, the car accident that I went through when I was uh, 26 years old. It caused me, I still, that's the, the, the cause of all my back issues and my problems there. And I've had people just sit there and say, well, if you could change it, would you do it all, I mean, would you do it over again? I'm like, absolutely. Why? Because God got the glory out of it. Tremendously got the glory out of it. There's people that were trusting Christ as their Savior because of that. Not because, you know, of me, but because of God. Would I change what had happened to me, right, just recently? No. Because I'm not given to change. Whatever God puts in my life, I'm going to use for his honor and his glory and pleasure. But I will tell you this. The one thing that the devil will want to do is come alongside you and say, Hey, I want you to do something that's for your pleasure. I want you to do something and take what is of value and put it on something that's not worth that much. I want you to to focus on the small yield versus the harvest of grapes. And we see that, you know, obviously, here, here it is, it's talking about destroying a heritage for something that is it is inconsequential in comparison to what those grapes could be used for. And the same thing is true when the people will come alongside and they will try to get you to change. If there's one thing that we have seen over the decades that the church has been around, the, the centuries, the millennia that the church has been around, is that it is subject to change incorrectly. I mean, you know, we, we, we went through this whole thing of the contemporary church, the contemporary church movement. And it was all about, you know, uh, again, feeding the flesh and, and, and it's, it's your worship and, it, and it's your worship experience and it's all about what you enjoy when you go to worship. It's not about the worship, the person that's doing the worshiping. It's about who is being worshiped. It's God. He had a specific way that he wants to be worshiped. He must be worshiped in spirit, not in the flesh. And that's all it became. It was all about how I feel good about the worship service. I came out of the worship service feeling good. When's the last time we walked out of a worship service and said, God got glorified in that? God was glorified by the people worshiping. God was glorified by what was taught and preached and what was sung. Not something of, of, of well, now I feel good about myself. I'm going to go ahead and go do whatever I want to do for the day. But that contemporary church led to a movement called the Emergent Church. And of course, they rebranded themselves and they've changed themselves over to what is now called the Progressive Humanistic Church. Well, both of those things are contradictory to to, to Christianity and it's right. I refuse to call them progressive Christians or humanistic Christians. Why? Because that's, that's like calling fire wet. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. They're things that are at odds with one another. A real Christian is not progressive. A real Christian is not humanistic. Those are things that are contrary to the Word of God. Because it's all about the elevation of man in those things, and not about the glory of God, or the elevation of Him, or, or using what God has given us to, to again honor Him with what is, uh, uh, what He just simply asks us to do. 
And there's been a, 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 this constant change that exists. People call for change in, in government. People call for change in this and change in that. People are always constantly going through and rebranding themselves and changing this and changing um, logo types and, and, and changing uh, the packaging and things of that nature. How many times have we seen that uh, same great taste, just new package? It's not something new, but the packaging seems new, but it's really not. And it's, if you will, change for the sake of change. And it destroys the heritage behind it. You know, we have a heritage of the Lord. The eternal life that we're given to Him, or excuse me, that we're given by Him. That, that That's His heritage. It's who He is. He gives us that. That's something you never want to trade in. Not that you could. But I wonder how many people would sell out for that. Well, I don't know. Eternity is a long time. And, you know, I just live for the moment, right? Live, live the, uh, live the only, you, you only live once mentality, right? But it wasn't for sale. Naboth denied. Naboth said, I'm not repurposing. I'm not making a change in the purpose that God gave me this field. Or gave me this land. Turn over to the book of John, John chapter 15. <clears throat> John chapter 15. We find some of the heritage that is here. Paul talks about this heritage with the church and he warns them very specifically in certain things about being careful about it because the nation of Israel kind of despised the, the you know, if you will, the vine at some point. But in, in, in John chapter 15, and here he is at the, at the Last Supper, saying to his disciples, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, and it may bring, bring forth more fruit. And you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, and uh, excuse me, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. That does not sound like something that people want to teach today. Well, you can do anything you want to do. God just told the disciples, you can't do anything without me. Wow, okay. <clears throat> So if a man abide not me, he's cast forth as a branch and withered and, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. And again, understanding what this is in context of the doctrine, uh, where he's speaking to these, uh, um, to the nation of Israel. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Now I want you to think about that just for a second. Here he said very clearly, he says, if you abide, if you, you know, are abiding in this, you're going to bear much fruit. And here is how God gets glorified by you bearing fruit. Those grapes were glorifying to God. I understand, you know, again, these herbs that we see there, but the purpose of the ground that it had been prepared for, for all those generations was not herbs. It had been prepared and painstakingly cared for as a vineyard. As a vineyard. 
And he says specifically, it's not for sale. We should never sell the fact that we're, that we're of that branch. Or excuse me, that we're of that vine. That we're branches that are grafted in. We should never want to get rid of that. Now think about this here. Here he is talking about, he, he, he is the vine that is there and, and, and Jesus Christ has been around forever. Eternity. He was there at the creation. Why? Because he is God. He spoke it into existence. By him all things were created and all things consist. By him. By him. What does that show? That shows that he's God because it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then you go back over there and it says over in the book of Revelation, by him all things were created. So we know very clearly that we're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about God. We're talking about who he is. We don't want to be outside of that. We don't want to be outside of where God's purpose is in our life. We want to abide in him so that we bring forth the fruit that he has purposed in us, as we talk about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and many other areas in Scripture. I turn over to uh, John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, and here's why I see Ahab with a lot of devilish influence. You're going to run into individuals that are going to want you to change and compromise what you believe according to God. They're going to try to change your mind about God's holiness. They're going to try to change your mind about His justice. They're going to try to get you to change your mind about his word. They're going to try to get you to change your mind and, if you will, repurpose your body for the use of something that glorifies yourself. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And isn't that exactly everything that Ahab did? He stole it, he killed, and he destroyed that vineyard just so he could sprinkle a little basil on his pasta. Just so he could, it would not have to be inconvenienced about going somewhere else. He wouldn't have to go down to the corner store and, 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 and get some herbs. They were right there by the palace. You notice they said it was hard against that palace, meaning it was right there. You walk out the door, right there. And to him, it was all about convenience. And I will tell you this, many times we will be, you know, if you will, pressured to change because of convenience. But the end result is that we see here is that what does it do? It's theft. It's not yours to begin with. It's God's. It kills. It kills relationships. It, it, it kills the flesh in many times, many situations. And it destroys. It destroys that relationship with God. It puts a wedge between you and Him. There's aught that is there. There's something that's against Him. But... But one of the things that we need to, to, to really truly think about is when God gives us something, anything, 
I mean, obviously, we can take this and we can really apply it to our life. God has given us a physical life, has he not? Are we using it for the purpose? God's given us a spiritual life. He's given us eternal life. He's given us a home in heaven. He's given us forgiveness of sins. He's given us so many benefits and so many great things because of that. Are we using it for him? Think about this for a moment. The things that God has given us that are so great. God gives us a church. Do we use it and do we treat it the way that God wants it to be? Or do we change it for the purpose of something else? And sometimes people think church is just a social connection. It's all about connecting. It's all about fellowship. According to Scripture, that's not what it's about. Why else would he give pastors and teachers and evangelists and and the list goes on? There's more to it than just that. But in today's day and age, people want to change that. People want to change that. The church is for his glory. We come to church not necessarily because we need it, which we know we do, but we come to give God honor, praise, and glory. There's a purpose. How about the Word of God that we have? Here here we are, and, and, and we've been given something that, you know, Moses didn't have this. David didn't have this. Paul didn't have this. Job didn't have one page of this. Yet all of them treasured what the Word of God said. What He said to them. Do we treasure what God says to us? Do we treasure this book? And people want to change this and they want to say, well, this book is, you know, it's, it, 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 it's like a self-help book. No, it's not a self-help book. Why? Because He just told you you can't do anything without Him. So there's no self-help. You know what it is? It's a book of what God expects of us. What God wants us to do. It's His will. And we go through and we begin to realize that so many times in our life we're going to be challenged with an Ahab that comes in and says, Hey, I want you to take what God has given you and I want you to give it to me because you don't need it anymore and I'm going to give you something else that may or may not be better. You realize how Luciferian that is in its mindset? How satanic it is? And we find over in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, this is why people are the way they are. Now a lot of people go back and, and, and they try to blame Adam for all of this. You know, we've made our own choices. Let's, let's, let's not, let's not, uh, you know, blame Adam for everything. We just need to accept the fact that we're the ones that have done it. But, but, but I'll tell you this, you know, one thing that I look at is over there in, in, in the book of uh, Romans, while some people may say, well, Paul's blame, blaming Adam for it, I think he makes it very clear in Romans chapter 1 that the people have made their own choices. And the issue is, is that they do not like to retain God in their knowledge. 
And I I dare say today, we have a knowledge of God. It might be a basic knowledge. It may be something where we're just, you know, just starting to grow. But we have a knowledge of God. Why would we want to get rid of that? Why would we want to repurpose, if you will, that disk space for something else to occupy our mind? I got a lot of useless knowledge rolling around upstairs. Some of it is starting to fade. Some of it, some of it comes back sometimes and, and I don't like it. I don't like it when it does. It irritates me, frustrates me, makes me angry. But I'll tell you this. The more I think about God, the more I focus on Him, the more I seek His purpose in my life, the more I begin to realize there's fruit on the vine. There's fruit on the branches. That's for His glory. It's for His praise. Let's not listen to the Ahabs. Let's purpose to use it continually for what the heritage that God has given us. Not change it over to a garden of herbs. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for all that you've given us. And Lord, as we sit here and think about this very brief but simple message, I pray, Lord, that we would just be challenged in our lives to make sure we're watching out for the Ahabs. We're watching out for those changes in our life that are removing things that you put in there for your purpose, for your glory, for your pleasure. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. I pray that uh, this evening, Lord, you just take us home safely. Thank you again for all that we've done this day. And Lord, I pray that's been pleasing and honoring for you. That, Lord, we've simply... You've been pleased with what we've done. And Lord, again, I just thank you so much for the salvation that we have through you. And Lord, I pray that we'll have an opportunity through this week to present the gospel to somebody, to give somebody a track. And above all, Lord, live for you every single hour of every single day. Thank you again for all you've done. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.